Hello and welcome to the podcast, We Are Selling, brought to you by Realtair, the home of pitch, sign and sell. Today, we're looking at a detailed case study as we discuss digital influence, the digital sale, and what's been happening out there in the auction marketplace, which has definitely changed since the weather changed. We've seen a a huge spring burst into the marketplace. So I'm going to bring in one of the best auctioneers in the country, Mr. Jake McKenzie. Jake, welcome aboard. Thanks, Lee. It's always great to, uh, to be here. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Yeah, we had you live on stage last week at the Complete Salesperson course in Brisbane. Yeah, that was a great experience to get up and speak in front of uh, all of the, the agents there and some incredible agents in the room and, and just to see uh, the work that they're doing and how they're embracing technology. Um, there was some really good digital agents uh, at the course there, so it was a great, great presentation. Well, Jake, just for our listeners, especially in the UK, who don't know who you are and what you do, give us your background. Yeah, so Jake McKenzie, I am a current auctioneer at the moment. I've been calling auctions for about the last... We'll be coming up on 10 years now. Uh, so every Saturday I'm, I'm out uh, and days in the week um, working with multiple agents and vendors and buyers. I had uh, nine auctions this Saturday, uh, which six sold, which was a, a great result and some incredible uh, amounts above reserve and, and some tough auctions as well. But I'm also a sales manager at Realtair. So coupling the, the digital platform uh, with live auctions, keeping my hand in the industry literally every day uh, and, and helping agents transition from traditional auctions into using the, the great tools we have at Realtair, uh, be it live auctions and timed auctions. Digital influence is such our topic today. And Jake, I wanted you on board due to a very recent great case study that needs to be shared with our community. Take us into the digital sale that happened after the On The Lawn auction. Great example, listen, we had a live auction booked where it was a hybrid auction. So we actually had buyers' ability to bid online. In this case, they were both at the property. Um, it was a, a block of land. So it was an industrial block of land in South Nowra. The agent had, had a great marketing campaign. We ended up with uh, two registered bidders at, at the property uh, and the auction was, was, was midweek. So we, we got the buyers there. They were all registered, pre-registered, so literally just had to, to turn up and bid. Uh, we were fortunate enough to have our vendors there on site as well. So we had all the buyers there. Essentially, uh, we started the auction, and before we did that, we'd set a reserve with our, with our vendors. Now, Lee, the reserve was $7.25 um, for this block of land. The reserve was set probably a little bit, a little bit optimistic, but um, every vendor sets their reserve, I guess, at a figure that they're really hoping to achieve, and they were happy to adjust during the auction if they if they needed to. I started the auction, of course, never suggest a figure when I when I start the call because if somebody's willing to, to pay more than we expect, happy to to, uh, to help them do that, of course. Uh, but no one would bid. Standard auction went quiet. Nobody would bid. Uh, Carl, the agent, went to talk to the bidders just to see where they were at and, and see where their, their interest was at what level. And essentially, they, they didn't want to start. So they were waiting for the other person to bid. And of course, uh, some buyers or most buyers don't actually want to pay above market value. So they need that proof in the market uh, to actually say, where is the market? And I'm happy to pay a little bit above it, of course, to win the auction. But nobody wanted to, to start this auction in particular. Uh, what we did from there is we went and spoke to the vendors and said, look, chances of, of us getting this reserve at this specific auction is, is not great start to have a little bit of a think about a figure that, that you would take and we'll go and talk to the buyers and, and actually show them 
um, you know, where, where they need to be. Because if there was the chance of getting the reserver above, we really wanted to do that. So we did speak to the buyers. There wasn't a chance of getting around that figure. So the vendors decided that they would actually let the property go for around the 650000 mark. The plan became that we would then go back to the auction, place a vendor bid at 650000 and declare the property on the market. So we would go back to the buyers, be very clear. I placed that bid and said to them, any bid above this, we'll buy it today. Can't be more transparent than this. It's 650. It's with me. If you want to bid 5,000, we'll take it. Even 1,000, which we, we got to, we will take that and you will buy it. Nobody bid. Still nobody bid. They really wanted that proof. So we decided in this case, let's pass it in. There was some conditional interest around and we wanted to entertain that post-auction, of course, because the agent thought that there'd be a better chance of getting a, a better price for that property. Uh, in a post-auction scenario. So we wrapped it up, we passed it in on that vendor bid, but about two hours later, the phone rang and it was the agent calling me with some some very interesting news. The news was that they were now at 6.55 and someone had made an offer, the agent had gone back to the other bidder and we almost were having the auction after the auction. So what I said to Carl was, Carl, let's not panic. In this case, the buyers were starting to get a little bit frustrated with with what was going on and they were saying, I, I, I don't believe there's another offer. We need to make sure that this is transparent. And I suggested a timed auction, which for those of, of the listeners that don't know what a timed auction is, uh, it's still an auction. It's an unconditional sale, but it is digital where essentially we can put a starting time and a finishing time, we can even set the starting bid and the minimum bidding increments at which the buyers can can participate in and, and we can adjust those. So I said to Carl, quite simply, let's uh, start this timed auction now. Let's put it at 655 as a starting bid, which is where we're at with that uh, that highest bidder. And we'll allow $2,500 increments as a minimum for, for, that to, uh, for that to occur. The first bid went in, Lee. The first bid was actually at 657 and a half so they'd already gone the two and a half and we actually rattled away for a number of bids we ended up adjusting it uh, down to thousand dollar increments we sold the property for 692,500 so about 42 and a half thousand above that vendor's earlier expectation or where they'd let the property go but the buyers loved it it was a really transparent environment they were able to see that there was other interest and they could actually see exactly where that was and they had the proof uh, of market value and went uh, forward to compete over the property and, and essentially bought it for a great price for our sellers. Jake, what a great case study. And when you were sharing this one with me, I thought we've got to get this on the program. Let's just unpack this a little. There we are live on the lawn and everyone needs a justification system to buy a property. Nobody wants to overbuy and no owner wants to undersell. So everyone is looking for this justification system. However, you know, things get passed in and I think you did such a great idea here to say, let's make it a timed auction because suddenly the system kicks in and what we have then is no one can get angry at a system. They truly believe they are safer when they see the other offer come in or the other bid or the increased bid on the platform than any agent ringing them saying the other person's gone up and they don't believe the other person's there. What was the other learns for you, Jake, as observation as an auctioneer, but also someone, you know, assisting agents on a daily basis? 
Leo, I think for this one, it was really looking at the alternatives. You know, when, when the agent called me, um, most agents or some would have gone to a best and final scenario in this and essentially tried to get that unconditional sale. But uh, we just knew that as soon as we got that first bid, as soon as the other buyer felt that there was somebody else that was willing to pay a price for it that was similar to theirs, that the confidence would, would kick in. And I think not having everyone standing on site with the pressure, allowing them to breathe just a little bit and, and have a chat to, that was their partner in this particular case, see that other bid come on the screen and then be able to place the bids still with a deadline but at, at their own pace. That's probably been the biggest loan for, for timed options. The agent was still calling and communicating in the background and, of course, encouraging them to bid. But as you said, they're, they're competing, yes, against the other bidder, but but quite transparently on a system. So the no one's angry at the agent because it went to a price that they, they weren't prepared to pay because it's the system that's actually communicating those bids as opposed to an agent ringing saying, hey, Lee, I've had another offer. Um, there's absolutely no question about whether that's valid on this platform. And this is where, Jake, last week you and I being live at the course, I was saying to agents before and after you were on stage, learn this now, get ahead of the curve. And we we were actually in Queensland, and Queensland's had a lot of fog around their terms and conditions or what they think is legislation versus best practice. Up there in Queensland, they thought, oh, you're not allowed to do that due to the not allowed to disclose offers. Yet there was many Queenslanders in the audience using the digital sale, getting great results. And what people were discussing as they thought was legislation wasn't. It was actually best practice. And I think everyone needs to be clear on how the digital sale works because in many parts of the country now, we're getting such great results. And hopefully, Jake, one day this is going to force just a national selling process because digital isn't based by state. Digital's based by agent facilitation and then the laws in that state are up to the agent. How have you found that part working different states as you oversee timed auctions? Yeah, it's a great question. There obviously is the different legislation in in each state, and it's it's where the auction is is called from based on the uh, the legislation that the auction operates under. Allowing buyers to bid from from anywhere, we have had buyers bidding from all over the world, and it it genuinely has allowed more competition and more people to be involved in in sales. I've overseen. Hundreds of timed auctions um, over the, the last few years, and and some at, at quite a small level, a few hundred thousand, some up to to multi million, tens of million. There's one that actually went through the process and did sell before at, at well over a hundred million. So there's a lot of different properties going through this. The main thing that I've seen, and that the biggest bit of feedback is all of the buyers and buyers actually calling the agents after the auction that weren't successful, thanking them for the opportunity to be in the auction. And they've said, look, great result for the seller. Congratulations to the other buyer. We wanted to thank you for the opportunity. We knew exactly where we had to be and what we had to do to buy this property. We just didn't have the budget. And when we look at improving the experience for for buyers, um, this platform still allowing the agent to actually craft the deal and, and make that sale, but it's taking the pressure off them and giving them that really consistent, transparent platform to do so. Couldn't agree more. And one thing I love about the digital sale is it's here to stay. The consumer's in favour of it, whereas we had that resistance from agents first up saying, oh, that was just due to COVID and it'll go back to the way that it was. People don't want 
to go backwards. They want to move forwards. And you can be anywhere in the world now bidding on these properties and with the protection that someone just can't steal it from you due to the notification process. Jake, just in wrapping up for those listeners that are saying, okay, I'm interested in this. I've heard Lee speak about it before. With the timed auction, there is a requirement for an auctioneer to oversee it. Can you explain that? And also what you need to have ready on day one, because it's not when it ends, it's when it starts. So it is an auction, and the best thing about the platform is timed auction, there's no special agreement that you need or, or any extra paperwork. It, it operates under your, your auction agency agreement or Form 6, depending on what state you're in. But it is an auction, so bidders do need to be registered. The registration process is very simple by scanning a QR code or, or clicking a link and entering in the details. As a part of the platform, if there's any authority documents that are needed within that registration, our sign platform will facilitate that. But the biggest thing that agents need to remember is assigning a licensed auctioneer over the timed auction. Some agents are also licensed auctioneers. That is okay from a legal perspective. But what I recommend as an auctioneer is having somebody to, to do that, that is their role. So there's, so there's a auction conditions and terms that sometimes agents that aren't practicing auctioneers but licensed wouldn't be aware of. Having the skills and the knowledge of, of, of what to do when certain situations arise, definitely worth having an external auctioneer oversee it, as well as that extra voice to a vendor um, if there, there needs to have those conversations. The other part is a reserve. You do need a reserve price before you open the auction. So just like a live auction, before I call for an opening bid, I need to have seen that written reserve price. In this case, before your timed auction opens, that start date and time, you will need a reserve price. The good thing about that, just like a normal auction, you can amend that reserve price. Depending on how long you're running your timed auction for, it's a great education tool for vendors to actually see all of the bids on the screen to be able to establish that market value and know where they need to be to meet the market and sell. The starting bid is a big topic out there because an owner could say, but I would never sell it that low. Well, it can't go below that. It's got to go above that. But a starting bid, depending on where you are in the country, needs to be as it would on the lawn on that day, very close to where you're hoping the, the bidding to start. And then there is the vendor's bid. Could you explain how the vendor bid works, Jake, in a timed auction? Yeah, definitely. So depending on, on what state you're in, be it New South Wales or Queensland, there's different regulations around the vendor bid. New South Wales, for instance, we can only have one vendor bid. In Queensland, uh, you, you can have more than one. Some Queensland agents are actually starting the auction on a vendor bid as opposed to a, a starting bid. Here in New South Wales, we're normally starting it on a, on a starting bid. But the easiest way to explain that is as an auctioneer, I have a number of figures. So I have the reserve price that the vendor's ha hoping to achieve. I also have the feedback from the market, which the agent would normally give me prior to starting an auction. Now, you would start that auction in and around that feedback, regardless of the reserve, and we often have a not below figure. So essentially a figure we're not going to start the auction below just to make sure that we can get it as close to the reserve price or above if if we can. That starting bid um, is is that figure. It's a figure in which we're, we are starting the auction. And the best way to think about it is if I call for an opening bid, then it's the bid that I would accept that a buyer tells me. So if I ask, say the reserve is a million dollars on a property and I ask for an opening bid, 
and someone throws out 600, it's probably too low for me to take it. So what bid as an auctioneer would I actually start that at? And in the legislation in New South Wales, for example, an auctioneer can accept or decline a bid that's not in the vendor's best interest. So that's where having that auctioneer oversee it can actually determine where do we need to start this? Where are the comparable sales? Where's the, where's the reserve? Where's the buyer feedback? What is the correct starting bid to get the auction underway? To not be too far away from the reserve, but of course not to, to put a, a bait figure out there for buyers uh, to confuse the market. Very well explained. And yeah, it's a starting bid. We want to get started. Whereas, and, and you mentioned before, this is just a normal auction conditions. We're just using the platform to facilitate it. Whereas in other scenarios, we've seen any offer can go in, which we don't do that. It's under that guidance and navigation of the auctioneer. And I, I do agree with you of having an external auctioneer. I think a different voice is exciting. Also, Jake, when the buyer is a week to two weeks away, and we've had a scenario where a buyer didn't want to miss out on another property and said, I want to retract my my bid, and the auctioneer said, no, uh, you, are, are, you are our highest bidder right now. We will bring the auction forward so that you can have that comfort. Jake, what's your views on that? Do many people try and retract their bid and what would you do? Yeah, look, it can, it can happen. A buyer has a right to, to retract a bid. A great example for why you need a, a licensed and practicing auctioneer to, to oversee these. The bid needs to be uh, retracted by the auctioneer. So in the platform, we can, we can cancel the bid. A lot of the time, we need to get the reason why with a timed auction because there is a little bit more time. Quite often, if a buyer bids early, they may not want their offer sitting on the platform for, for too long, and that may be a reason why they retract it. Usually in a, in a live auction, if they get carried away and they bid more than they can afford, that would be a reason. But for the timed auction, it does highlight one of the, the biggest benefits of time flexibility. Essentially, if you need to wrap the auction up today because you've got great interest and great offers, you can do that. Where if you need to give it another few days, perhaps you've got a buyer that's just getting their finance approved that is, is quite interested and, and around the figure, the reserve price, or you just feel you need to introduce more buyers to the property, you can adjust that. As, and there's a great announcements tool where you can communicate with all of the registered bidders and people that have made bids to make sure they are kept in the loop with, with what's going on. And we know that communication is very important during, during and, and before and, and post-auction as well. Having the skills to, to know what to do in all of those situations, and that's probably the biggest thing that, that I talk to agents about, is it's having all the flexibility of a private treaty campaign, but all the conditions of an auction campaign being an unconditional sale. Well, Jake, I think today's program is definitely brought to their attention one, this is going on. Two, you need to learn it. And just hop onto the Realtor platform, book a demo, have a look at how it works. I've got so many agents now, Jake, that just can't believe how simple it is. They do their timed auctions or timed sale on a Tuesday and Wednesday night. They're exchanging contracts, taking the deposit. This is modern real estate and learn it before you need to know it would be my advice. And Jake, great information, great case study. And thank you for joining us on the program. Thank you, Lee. See you next time.